Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Hallelujah, I would prostrate over you all, but I got things to do. Thank you, Jesus. Just take that. Hallelujah. The men were throwing axes. I had a cold this week, and if you were praying for me, you were hearing Jesus, uh, because um, uh, I was, uh, I wasn't feeling well, man, and uh, I just, you know, men get sicker than women, you know that, right? (laughs) Women get sick, and you know, are we good to go, Brianna? I mean, uh, Kayla, we're good? Yeah. You know, when when women get sick, like, they have a supernatural ability to carry sickness. When men get sick, it's, 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 see, the devil hates us. And so we're like a death's door every time, Duke. You know that, right? Like, like you know, Damien, you know, when we get sick, it's far worse. It's far worse. And so I was on death's door with a cold. And um, it was a terrible cold. It was probably worse than coronavirus. I would, with monkeypox, right? Like it was, with pol- yeah, it just all together. And um, I complained a lot to my wife. And hopefully the Holy Spirit has provoked you to pray for me all week so that I can recover from death's door. The devil had a plan, but God has had me survive till today. I'm going to talk about politics for a second, so guard your heart, okay? I'm not going to offend anybody. Well, I might, you know, I'm offensive. Um, <laughs> the, the problem, the, problem um, the, the, the greatest problem with politics in general and in America today is that uh, they, they'll make you think that they actually have solutions to problems. And uh, they don't. A- amen. Um, and and, and if, if, you're a, if, you're, if you're a conservative, a political conservative, you will believe that we need smaller government, we need lower taxes, and we need the government out of our lives. And that sounds great until your house is on fire. Right? See, the reason we have uh, fire departments is that everybody socially, collectively, gives a little bit of money so that there's some people who do nothing but wait until a house is on fire. And then when the house is on fire, they drive there for free and they put the fire out, right? So if you have a car wreck, someone just shows up and takes you to the hospital and uh, clears the road. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of thankful that it's like, you know, the fire department doesn't show up and uh, give you an estimate on what it's going to cost to put out the fire, right? And uh, say, you know, we, we, you know, we can put this house fire out. It's going to cost us about, you know, $14,000. So if you have that, you cash, money order, you know, whatever. We don't take credit cards or checks, you know. I'm glad that we collectively do that, right? And so, so, so there's problems with conservative theology. Now, now, now you might think the, the answer is to be a liberal. And, and liberal, political liberals today, um, they, they, they believe in, um, you know, lots of reform, Lots of programs, lots of seeing the best in people. We uh, have too many people in prison, and we need all that. And that's great until somebody you know gets raped. And then you want them put in jail forever, right? Like, and like throw away the key, put them under the jail. Like, like it's all great. And, 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 and so what we have in politics is we have people who aren't really solving problems. We have people looking for more power. Amen. This is what they do. They, they refuse to acknowledge the other side's points because they think that they lose power by acknowledging reasonable solutions that they didn't come up with. You hear what I'm saying? It does not work in the best interest of the country to have these polar opposite, divided people who think that compromise is somehow a sin. What we need are real-life solutions to problems, and I don't care who comes up with it. I don't care if someone from Columbia, someone from Washington, D.C., I don't care if you're white, black, brown, immigrant, native-born. We need some problems in America fixed. Can you say amen? Uh, we, we, and, this is what, and this is what we need some people who are actual Christians to start taking the forefront in American society, and Christians are people who say things like this. Here's how you know Christians say things like, I was wrong about that. Please forgive me. That, that's how you know people are Christians. Uh, when they have an enemy, they don't talk badly about them. I mean, that's what the Bible says, right? The Bible says that Christians are people who are gracious, most gracious to people who hate them. 
And the more I'm hated by you, the more gracious I have to treat you. These are Christians, right? Now, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about political Christians. I'm, I'm not talking about religious Christians. I'm talking about Jesus Christians, right? I want to be a Jesus Christian. I want to be the kind of Christian that's not following a politician. I don't want to be the kind of Christian that's um, worshiping some guy who figured out how to make a billion dollars. I want to be the kind of Christian who worships Jesus in the things that Jesus taught. Can you say amen? Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is applicable to our lives today. Jesus did not just teach a moral code, but he did teach a way to live that is counter-cultural. Jesus Christ was a counter-cultural reformer. He sees the culture of the day and says, I got nothing to do with that. I am going to teach you how to live and not be formed by culture. Not just to give the philosophies of the Greek society that he lived in, and they worshiped philosophy. Not to just teach the laws that the Jewish society taught, and he lived in Jewish society. He said there's a better way. There's a way where we actually learn who God is, figure out how he wants us to live, not care about the religious, not care about the political, just love like Jesus. This, this is what we're called to in this house. This is the radical love God has called us to, and you do not gain political power this way. You do not work off of a power structure. You don't dominate people. You don't subjugate people. The good news is good news for everybody. If Becoming a Christian makes somebody less powerful, less autonomous, have less authority over their own lives. It is not Christianity because Jesus came to set people free from bondage. Can you say amen? And so I, I taught this four-week message series on encounter, uh, uh, the ministry of Holy Spirit. And I talked, if you remember, about the, I've talked about um, the salvation encounter. I talked about uh, the, the, the freedom encounter. I talked about the empowering encounter. I talked about the commissioning encounter. And this week we are going to talk about um, formation, spiritual formation, counter-cultural formation. And as I was praying and as I was uh, reading and as I was writing, um, God came and, 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 and interrupted me. You ever had a Holy Ghost interruption when you had a plan and the Holy Ghost came and interrupted your life? Has that happened to you? Because if not, welcome to Revival Life. This is going to start happening. This is how we live. We let Holy Spirit come in and interrupt our lives. And Holy Spirit said to me, Carl, that was a great message series. And, and when, 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 when um, Holy Spirit compliments me um, on a message series, I know there's a but coming. Let me explain that to you. Um, for those of you who have children, young children, um, you know Christmas Day when, when um, they give you a gift and you get all excited about it? And, and they're like so happy to give it to you. And you're like, you know that you bought that gift. And they're super excited about the gift that they're giving you with the money that you bought. That's like you bragging to God about what you did for God. Right? And so, and so God, would, like a loving father, would say, oh, that's so cute. You did that thing. Now, good job on healing somebody. That's amazing. I mean, I saved the world. You know, but that, the fact that you actually prayed in my name and I moved and healed that person, good job. That's great. That was wonderful what you did there. Uh, but <laughs> let's, let's, let's move on to the next thing. And so God said to me, you know, Carl, that was, a, that, was, that was a really great message series. That was really good. I said, thanks, Lord. You know, I was like, you thought it was pretty good. You know, you showed up. So for me, that was, that was pretty good. People got touched and healed, got great testimonies. He's like, yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. Talked all about the encounter with the Holy Ghost. I said, yeah, 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 I did. He said, but you never actually told him to get the Holy Ghost. I was like, say that again? He's like, uh, you, you, you gave all the theory about it, you gave all the biblical teaching about it, but you never actually told people they need to get the Holy Ghost. And I was like, well, I, I thought that was kind of implied. He said, you don't want to imply that. You preach that. Amen. I was like, yes. I, he said, no, no, no. You preach that. I was like, oh, error by emphasis. I get that now. Not, not, that, that wasn't some sort of life directive. That was Sunday. Get the Holy Ghost, everybody. That's what we're going to talk about today. Get the Holy Ghost. Get the Holy Ghost. Get the Holy Ghost. Get the Holy Ghost. You have heard the mantra, give a man a fish, he eats for a day. Teach a man to fish, he eats for a lifetime. 
And, uh, uh, we, we, you know, I don't just need to tell you, I don't need to go visit the mountaintop and tell you what I saw there. I need to get the Holy Ghost on the inside of each of us. Amen? We, we, need to, we, need to, we need to live with the encounter of God. And so I talked about these encounters, but I didn't answer the question, what is the encounter? What is the encounter with God? Without the encounter of God, without the Holy Ghost, it, life is directionless and aimless. You can come up with your own plan, but if you are not on God's plan, it does not matter. If you are not driving according to the driving directions, you are not going to get where you think you want to be. You cannot randomly drive places and expect to get to a location if you've not consulted a map and found the direction. And so people come up with their own life plans, even godly sounding life plans that didn't come from God, and they're driving along very focused on what they're going and then are very frustrated they didn't, uh, they didn't get to the location they wanted to arrive at. Oftentimes, God never gave them the, the location they were trying to get to, and if he did, they never asked him for the directions. And what we need for both of those is the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Say amen. So today, we're going to talk about that even more. So we're going to turn our Bibles, or you can trust me, we're going to go to Genesis, way back at the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 2. It says, I'm going to preach out of the NIV today. I think it's a little more clear. It says, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me just very quickly take a detour biblically just so we can read the Bible well. Amen? For those of you who are Christians in the room, and I pray that if you are not a Christian, that you'll decide today to become a Christian, uh, then you'll begin to read this book. And as you begin to read this book that we call the Holy Bible, can, uh, formed with 66 books put together, written over thousands of years by many authors, written to lots of different people. I want you to understand this book was not written to the United States of America in 2022, but the wisdom that, re that it reveals is, is applicable to us, right? And so if we look at Genesis chapter 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and earth. Now the, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. That means that the earth was around before the story started. Can you say amen? amen? The earth was already there when the story started. This is not a science book. There is a theological purpose to Genesis chapter 1. And I don't have time to completely unfold it, but if you are arguing science from literature, you don't know either. Okay, it says, now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want, you, I want you to see something for those of you who are struggling today, for those who have found yourselves in a hard season, those of you who uh, maybe um, think that you're supposed to be somewhere or be something or accomplish something or God has called you to something or um, um, you're just in a place in your life where it feels like you're directionless, feels like there's darkness, feels like, um, feels like things are not clicking the way they're supposed to be, feels like there's darkness, feels like it's not with form. It feels like there's void. I want to let you know the Bible tells us that the Holy Ghost is hovering over those areas. Hallelujah. That you're not alone in those areas. And many times God allows a darkness to come so we can start over with Him. I, 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 I believe if we study the Scriptures and we study science, I don't, believe, I don't believe God is trying to trick us. I don't believe that God hid dinosaur bones in the ground to confuse us. Right? I think science is pretty clear that the planet is we can't count the number of years how old this planet is. And we, we, we can't count how old uh, the stars are. The, the early church believed this. The, the, the early Jews believed this. This is, this is just kind of fact. And you have to deny science to believe something different. But that does not deny God. So the earth was formless and void. That means there was a time that the planet was here, but God's reign had not been established yet. 
Anybody know, everybody feel like you're, you're here, but God's reign has not been really established in your life. God is God, and you know that, but it hasn't actually been formed in your life yet, right? And then it says here in verse 3, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now, the important part of this Genesis story is not the order of creation. The important part of the Genesis story is that where there is darkness, God does not need any help to bring light. So you see, later on, he, he creates the sun. Why does God create the sun in this story after he created light? Is that to give some sort of scientific treaties on how long it took God to do it? Listen, time is inside of God. It, it makes no sense to try to measure his works with time. No, no, no. The point of this story is that God doesn't need the help of the sun God or the physical sun to bring light into your situation. God alone can see the darkness in the, in the, in the void in your life. And the moment he speaks his word over you, the Holy Ghost starts to come and bring light where there was darkness. You don't necessarily need your boss to recognize you. You don't need your mom to recognize what she did wrong when you were a kid. You don't need the government to change laws. We don't need the right person in the White House or the crack house. What we need is the Holy Ghost to come and move on the earth today. Can you say amen? We need just the Lord to speak light in darkness over areas that the Holy Ghost is hovering, wanting to change. When the Holy Ghost comes, he puts Things in God's order. Can you say amen? amen? Listen, it's as true to your life as it was to this formless earth. The point of this verse is that God is God alone and does not need any help. Now, you can sabotage God's plan. You can choose to delay God's plan. You could choose rebellion. You could choose selfishness. You could choose gossip. You could choose um, all kind of sin and delay God's plan for your life. No doubt about it. Amen. God, you can do all of that. But God does not need your boss to know how great you are to get you a raise. God does not need you to be on Instagram and have 4 million followers to get you to where he has you in prosperity. We need the Holy Ghost. See, the problem as, we, as the story unfolds is we see that at a certain point in time, God created man and he put man in a garden. And in the garden, the problem was God wasn't enough for them. This is the moral of the story. That God doesn't need help. But at the same time, God needs to be enough for you. And when we begin to seek other things to fill in gaps that God wants to fill in, we now create a darkness that the Holy Ghost is not hovering over. After the fall, we see there was the Tower of Babel. They tried to build their way back to God, and it, it didn't work. And, and Abraham was the first person who, uh, in the Bible who was identified as a prophet. And the Lord gave him direction. And as a part of his prophetic ministry, he interacted with angels and talked about Sodom and interceded, and he received miracles of fertility and and, 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 and his wife got pregnant and he received divine protection for his wife despite his treachery. And we begin to see this restoration of God and man beginning to cooperate on the earth. But God's desire was always to have a place of encounter with his human creation. That was always his desire. It was the, it was the point of the garden. There was this formless lifeless, directionless void called the earth. And he set a little outpost on it to say, this is, this is what it looks like for those who follow God. Called it the Garden of Eden. I believe that's what our lives are called to be. The Garden of Eden in this directionless, formless, godless world. We are called to be a place of encounter and presence with the living God.
God began to give instructions to his, his people. And uh, the Bible says in, uh, in Exodus that uh, God decided to show up and talk to his man Moses. And in Moses, he says, yeah, Abraham had a people because I made a covenant with him. But they're under bondage. And I want to bring them up out of bondage. And so the Holy Ghost, God started talking to Abraham. And Father says to him in Exodus chapter 25, he tells Abraham, make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among your people. Make a sanctuary and I will dwell there. Can you imagine being the one on earth? To make the sanctuary for God. What, a, what an honor. What an honor that was. What an honor as his, these, these, the, the people of Israel were slaves in Egypt. Wandering through desert. And they were the ones making a sanctuary for God. I want to let you know today. I'm going to keep saying this over and over again. That's part of the call in your life. Is to make a sanctuary for God in this spiritual desert we call the United States. To make a sanctuary for God, where you can come and dwell and do amazing things and talk to people in the midst of your family who does not know God. And so he obeyed. He obeyed God, and uh, God told him, you know, here's what I need you to do. It's, it's, what's, what's funny in this, in this whole passage about making a sanctuary is he tells Abraham first, you need a place to bring a, an offering. You need a place to bring an offering. Make a sanctuary. He tells him, prepare an offering, make a sanctuary. I'm, I'm going to talk one more political thing. I'm, I'm just going, I just I feel a little spicy today. Um, hopefully I don't offend you because I, um, I, don't, I don't care who you vote for. I don't care what party you're affiliated with. Uh, I, I just, it makes no difference to me because I know that God is God and those people are not. Amen. So vote, vote for people you believe to be ethical and love Jesus. My question is all the Christians, and I, I'm like, they... They're Christians and they release their taxes. I just look, what I, what I do when they, re- when they release their taxes, what, what's your giving? I, how much do you give to charity? You, know, you don't tithe. Don't, don't, don't tell me how godly you are. You don't even tithe. Like, like, like come, on. come on. Can we just be honest for a second, Duke? Can we, just, can we just be honest for a second? When the conviction of the Lord comes upon you, you know you've got to be generous to God. So I'm a man of God. Really? Release your taxes. You gave 2%. Don't tell me you're a, you, you a Christian, you know the Bible, you, got, you gave 1.5% last year, and half of that was to kill babies. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't I like, like uh, where, where do you give your offering? Come, come on, man. Is, am, I, am I being too spicy, honey? She said, I'm being too spicy. Like, 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 I, I'm, I'm, like, give some money. Like, if you are a Christian, you're generous. That is an indication. And you don't judge people. And you don't hate people. And you don't make up lies about people. We're in a new election season. And I'm watching the commercials. And I'm like, ain't none of y'all Christians. Because if you're Christians, your next commercial will be repenting of your last commercial. <laughs> Half your commercials will be repentance. Like, yeah, I lied about that. I made that up. I made him look bad. I slandered my brother. Please, please forgive me. Please forgive me. I mean, just, just, just quit calling yourselves Christians. Just, just tell me you can read. I mean, that would be an improvement over many of the people that we've had recently. Just tell me that you're, you're able to, like, jog 50 steps in a row. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you can stay awake through a meeting. Like, you're under, I don't know. I should just stop right there. Hallelujah. I got to believe there's somebody under 140 who can run the country these days, right? Like, there's just got to be some people. I don't want to be an ageist here. I don't want to be... I'm a little spicy right now. I need to, my wife's told me to lock it down. Some of y'all need to run for anything because we need some younger leadership. That's, I, that's, I would say that right. Amen? Uh, like, we need... We, need... we need some new ideas. Some old ideas ain't working. Anybody say amen? Old ideas are not working. Oh, Jesus. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rein it in. I'm going to rein it in. Rein it, 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 rein it. Rain it in. But the very first tent that, that, that God told Moses to build, first he told him about an offering. He told him, get an offering ready. And then I'm going to tell you to build a tent where you can bring your offering. These two things are connected. You want the presence of God, God's going to begin convicting you on your offering. 
You're going, you're, going to, you're going to be praying when you get to Publix that the person ahead of you doesn't have enough money for their, their, their groceries. You're tight, but you're going to be generous because that's what Christians do. Christians are generous. When the Holy Ghost gets on the inside of you, he wants you to know that God wants to be your provision. And God can't be your provision if you're not generous. If you're hoarding everything, that, that, ain't, that ain't, oh Jesus, I'm, honey, keep me on track here. But the, very, the reason for the tent was the offering. And he brought the offering into the tent. And the Bible says in Exodus chapter 40, verse 34, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. This is what I want. This is what I want. I remember early in my walk, there were uh, people alive who had lived with people who were part of the Azusa Street Revival. And at the Azusa Street Revival, if you're not familiar with it, it is where almost all Pentecostals trace their lineage, all of us spirit-filled tongue talkers, where we trace our lineage through. And uh, it's a little revival in um, Los Angeles on Azusa Street. And the glory of the Lord would show up so tangibly. They said as kids, they would sit on the floor and play with it. They would put it in jars and see if it would still be there in the morning. You could see it. There are records of the fire department being called regularly to the building because people who were not Christians saw flames on the roof. And the fire department would show up. This, is, this, isn't, this isn't folklore. This isn't Christian exaggeration. This is recorded history. This is the glory of the Lord falling on the temple. And God used a man there... Uh, African-American man who had been prejudiced against the son of slaves even, and uh, his parents were sharecroppers after they were free, blind in one eye, didn't really have any kind of training. He would pray, he would put his head inside a peach basket, and the glory of God would fall in the room. And people from all over the planet in the early 1900s would take a boat from other continents to get to the United States so they could take a train across the entire continent so they could get to that little meeting house in Los Angeles so they can touch the glory of God. And then they would go home and they would start whole denominations. Out of that little meeting, they say there are 560 million spirit-filled Christians on the planet today. Fastest growing movement in the history of mankind. Because somebody set a place that the glory of God could rest. And made a place that people could come and encounter this Holy Ghost. They traveled through the desert with this ark, this, excuse me, with this uh, tent. And eventually they got their own land and David wanted to build a temple, but God wouldn't let him and finally let his son Solomon build a temple. And, and it happened when, uh, hallelujah, they built this temple and when the, when, the, when the Ark of the Covenant was brought into the room, the Bible says in 1 Kings, it says, when the priest came from the holy place, the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. This is the Holy Ghost of God. This is what happens when the Holy Ghost enters the room. I've been in meetings where the Holy Spirit rolls in like a fog. And you could watch the Holy Ghost move through the room as people are getting set free from the demonic powers in their life. As healings begin to pop off. I, I was in a room one time and the Holy Ghost was just randomly falling in the room. And as soon as someone gets touched, they would pop like popcorn and jump into the air. And they'd land and they would break the chair and they would be healed by the time they landed. Uh, my friend uh, who pastored this church, they, they had a guy on staff who was a maintenance guy. And part of his job was after every conference, he would have to fix all the chairs that got broken as people flew into the air and fell. Break the chairs, Lord. 
One time I was in Nicaragua with a, with a host and a mission team. And uh, we were staying at an orphanage. And uh, the way this orphanage started was this guy was in a meeting like this one and the Holy Ghost came into the room and the Lord gave him a vision for orphans. And I, I don't remember how he got to Nicaragua. I don't remember that part of the story, but uh, he got to, got to outside Managua and uh, he just began finding these street kids and he didn't know what to do with them. He didn't have any place for them. So what he would do is he would get these orphans and uh, he'd just bring them to his house, which sounds a little sus, but it was okay. Um, and uh, he didn't have any way to feed them, so the kids would go out and they would kind of sing near the market and ask for donations. And, uh, and, 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 and at night, they would go home and they would just soak in the glory. And so eventually, God provided them a, a, a land, provided them a, a staff. And by the time we got there, they had a property. They had, I don't know, maybe 50 orphans there. I don't remember exactly how many there. I don't remember. I do remember they didn't have running water, which was really quite unpleasant. Um, and it was hot as sin there. I remember that much. And, um, and one day we had been ministering all day long. Uh, we were walking the streets, healing the sick, just in the, you know, going the backside of nowhere. Um, and then uh, the, we would stay uh, in, in their housing there, which were like these large kind of, just a room with windows that we all stayed in bunk beds. It was hot as all get out. And, uh, and uh, we had to eat dinner. <clears throat> and um, we were eating dinner around the table. And if you've ever been overseas, you know about plastic chairs. Plastic chairs is what you use overseas, right? You stack them up. It's just they just have plastic chairs. It's what they have. They line them up for church services. They eat with them. That's just what they have. And so we're there. And... Um, and uh, we were all sitting around the table. It was about, I don't know, 20, 25 of us were there. And I came out of my, my room, and uh, I went, and the Lord said, just begin touching people. And I said, all right, I'm just going to just start walking around the room touching people. And I just said, the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord. By the time I got to the third person, the atmosphere shifted in the room. And it wasn't in the room, it was outside. There were no walls. We just had a little cover where we were eating. And the, and the Holy Ghost began to fall. And by the time I got to the end, people were on the ground rolling and yelling and the Spirit of God was moving through the room. And we're like, and, 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 and as people began to get touched, the chairs were getting broken, right? And so I had these conflicting emotions that you'll often have when you encounter the Holy Ghost of God. Part of it is, this is amazing. The other part is, these people are not drunk as you suppose, right? Like, like this looks crazy, but we're not actually crazy. And, but we couldn't stop the move of the Holy Ghost. I remember a friend of mine named Ron was there, and he was quite upset that someone had stolen his, his, his we had this juice, and we called it purple drink, right? Like, because it was, who knows what it was. And in the middle of being drunk in the Holy Ghost, he said, who got my purple drink? And for something about that sounded hilarious, and people were rolling on the ground. It was, it was nuts. And one of the ladies came out who worked there. And, you know, they don't got a lot of money and we're breaking chairs, right? Her eyes got big like saucers. And we're like, we're not going to, I'm thinking, where are we going to spend the night tonight? Because they are surely going to kick us out of this place. Like there's like, we are about to be thrown out of this place. I don't know what we're going to do. And then she brings back the leader who runs the place, the lady who runs the place. And the lady comes back. She's like, oh, I heard that they were breaking chairs. She, goes, she comes back. She runs on the scene. She goes, I know what that is. That's the Holy Ghost. And then she goes and wakes up all the orphans and brings them into the room because she wants them in the glory of God because she knows what this society has done to them can only be healed by the glory of God. And so we begin to try to minister to the orphans just to find out we can't get off the ground. Watch this. The Lord brought the orphans to come to minister to us. And so these little six-year-old, eight-year-old, nine-year-old orphans Orphans are over us. Fuego, Señor. Fuego, Señor. Más fuego, Señor. Toca, Señor. Tócalo, tócalo. She's like, just touch them, Lord. Fire of God. Fire of God. And it was like, it was just revival right here in this little 
nowhere on the backside of Managua, on the dirt floor. And this is where God loves to move. Don't hide your problems from God. Don't hide the backside of glory to God. Don't, don't, don't hide your dirt floors. Don't hide your messy. This is where the Spirit of God is hovering. This is where He wants to speak light into the darkness. you got to get the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. you got to let the Holy Ghost move and change who you are and establish His ways in your life. You say amen. Oh, I feel impassioned about this. I feel impassioned about this. We need to gather in the house of God to encounter God. We need to gather in the house of God to encounter God. So there's this corporate anointing where we encounter God in the midst of the corporate outpouring. I feel the Holy Ghost, Duke. Feel the Holy Ghost, Brianna. So God, God uses these corporate in in, in history, He's used these corporate gatherings, these places of encounter. But He also has used anointed messengers. And these anointed messengers, He passed down these anointed messengers, prophetic messengers. We see in Numbers chapter 1, it says, The Lord spoke to Moses in the tent of meeting. The Lord spoke to Moses in the tent of meeting. Sweet God, man, we need to hear his voice every day. But there's something supernatural that happens in worship. There's something supernatural that happens in the corporate meeting. I mean, I know, I, 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 watch, I watch what's going on out there. We, we, we see what's happening in the, in the mega church world. And um, I, I, I'm not a mega church hater. If you know me, you know I have good friends who lead large churches. There's a lot of ugliness happening in certain parts of Christianity. Can we be honest about that, fam? Can we be, there, there's some ugliness. But, but what they're doing ain't what we're doing. Amen. I don't know if you've seen my car. I got, a, I got a good friend who leads a very, very large church, and uh, we, got, uh, we, we, we were at a meeting one time, and uh, I pulled in, and I was like, hey, you need to ride somewhere? He's like, no, no, I'm good, and he pulled up in his Porsche. I was like, ooh, we're doing different things. <laughs> you and I are doing different things, bro. <laughs> we are doing different things. He's like, no, brother, we're doing the same. I'm like, but we're not. <laughs> but, but we're not. <laughs> I'm thinking, well, I don't want to say what I was thinking. But the devil, devil wants you to think that it's all the same. Oh, they're all just, no. No, they're not all just. That's, that's, that, that's, that's the same spirit that justifies racism. That's the same spirit that justifies sexism. That's the same spirit that justifies uh, wage slavery. This is, this is, this is, that is not the same. It is not the same. The Bible, God has called us to gather together in unity to seek the Spirit of God so that we can be changed in the atmosphere. You bring something special to these meetings that we need. Whether you bring an anointing or you bring a hunger. Whether you bring a need or you bring a supply. We all bring something to this meeting. And we need what you bring. If you bring your brokenness or you bring your healing, we all need that in the room because you can't have healing without a healer and somebody needing to be healed. The house of God can't just be a bunch of people who are in leadership training to be billionaires. The house of God has got to be broke people who need a little hand up from where they're at. Come on, somebody. And it's got to be some people willing to reach a hand out to those who are lower. It's got to be people who've climbed up out of the pit and people in the pit that we need to climb down to. This is what the house of God has to be. And I don't want you to be ashamed that you ain't made it yet because that's what the house of God is for. The Holy Spirit is hovering over people who haven't made it yet. Oh, Jesus. I just, I got I to get back to this thing right here. Numbers 12. Come on, somebody. Numbers 12, he says... But this is what he says about Moses. We, I mean, we all are called to hear God, but God spoke to Moses in the tent of meeting. And he says this about Moses. When I speak, when I went with him, I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant 
Moses. Now, that is a verse that has been abused, like really abused. And if you've not been in a church that you were beat over the head with that, just thank the Lord Jesus that you're in a healthy church. At the same point, it's still in the Bible. There are people that God speaks to. And the devil wants you to slander them to cut off the voice of God in your life. We need the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost will put people in your life that make you feel good. And they'll put people in your life that make you feel uncomfortable. You need both. You need a mommy and a daddy. And they may may be male or female. You need them both, though. We need some people that says, oh, baby, that's all right. You didn't score that run. You, you still, mama's still proud of you. And you need someone to say, you didn't score that run because you didn't practice all week. And you didn't, you, you, you didn't pay attention. And you ain't been, you ain't been running. And, and you're a little overweight. Like, you, like you, want, you said you want to be a baseball player. It's time to start living like a baseball player. We need both. We don't need just, oh, it's okay that you don't ever win. It's okay to be a loser. Like, I mean, that's, I, that's good for a minute. That make you feel good for a second, like keep you from jumping off the bridge. But at the same point, let's get you to a place where you don't need to get on the bridge no more, right? Like, like, like we, need, we need some truth in our lives. And I just, I just, my wife's not here right now, so I could just. The biggest problems I have had in ministry are with little boys who want me to be their mama, who want me to just mommy them. Oh, you're just so special. God is so lucky to have you. Oh, isn't it awesome? What's God going to do without you? Oh, my goodness. You're just so old. And I'm saying to him, bro, that's sin in your life. You need to stop it. Your pride is destroying you and cutting off from your destiny. You need to just take it down a notch. Learn the Bible. Listen to people. These are the people that I've had the biggest, but the only people, oh, okay, she's here, but I'm saying it anyways. The only people we've ever kicked out of this church are people who would not stop gossiping about me and other people in the church. Flat out. That's the only people because they would not allow the Holy Ghost to form them into people with good character. Like, oh, people think they're great. They're gossiping. We tell them, stop gossiping. Quit slandering the pastor. Quit trying to destroy marriages. You have to stop this. Well, then I'm just going to leave. That was the next thing we were going to (laughs) say. You can't fire me. I quit. Don't matter. Leave. It doesn't matter how it happens. I'm on one right now, honey. I just, I've been on, I've had a cold all week. I just, oh, I get it now. Okay, okay. You, you ready? Ready for a little inside story? All right, here's how God talks to Carl. He spoke this verse to me in worship. Oh, he spoke this verse to me in worship. Uh, Acts 4, I think it was 29. I don't know why he gave me this verse in worship. Okay, I'll start at 27 or 28. He says, um, you know, they they had just gotten persecuted for telling the truth, right? They got persecuted, and they thought they were going to beat them down, and they were going to shut up. Instead, they went back to their house, and they were all excited that they got persecuted for being followers of Jesus. And then um, they said that basically those people did they, they persecuted us because, you know, they hate you, God. Verse 29, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. And that's, that's, what, that, that's what the Lord, honey, that's what he told me in worship. That's all we're doing right now, speaking with great boldness. Speaking with great boldness, right, Duke? Am I, am I all right? I'm making it plain right here. Listen, there is an answer to your, your issue in the anointing. That's what I'm here to let you know. There is an answer to your issue in the anointing. Oh, Jesus. Here we go. Oh, here we go. Somebody's going to get free today. Now, it's easy to see Jesus as God, but it's often hard to see Jesus as man. That's the, that's the, that's the difficult part of Christology is discerning the man Jesus, right? And um, there's something important God is communicating through the birth of Jesus as a man. God inserted himself into into history and humanity. He inserted himself in history and humanity weak, powerless, and dependent on the Holy Ghost. And, 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 And just like creation at the beginning of time, 
He was dependent on the Holy Spirit for his ministry. And just like in times past, Jesus was that anointed messenger who spoke truth to power and about God's desire for justice and equity. Matthew chapter 3, look at this, verse 16. As Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Listen, there are words that you need to hear from God. That you're only going to get when you get baptized in the Holy Ghost. When you get the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. And then all of a sudden, the Word of God comes to life. Then all of a sudden, the Spirit of God begins to move on the inside of you. And you get this anointing in your life. I just see so many people living lives trying to overcome what happened in their past. And the problem is they're focused on the past because they don't know God's future for them. And you get that when you get the Holy Ghost in you. You get the Holy Ghost in you and God's like, yeah, all that nonsense. I'm going to use all of it. All of it. It's like you're living in a junkyard. And you got nothing but rotting cars out back. Your entire yard looks crazy with rotting, old, beat-down cars. And you, and, and you get somebody to move into the house, and they're like, oh, I just happen to be a restoration mechanic specialist. And those junk cars in the back, actually, they're worth millions in the right hands. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to use this little garage you got, and I'm going to drag these painful old memories into the garage, and I'm going to fix them up. And those things that used to make your yard look bad, all of a sudden, it's going to make you wealthy. It's going to make you popular. It's going to make you valuable. It's going to be a resource for your future. This is what happens when you bring the Holy Ghost into your life. He starts to clean up the things of the past. He's like, no, no, don't just let the weeds grow over it like it's going to go away. It's not going to go away. You got to let me drag it into the garage and start working on it. Get your hands on it. Buff off the rust and let you see what my plans for those things were. I'm prophesying right now. I tell you, I'm prophesying over some people right now. Hallelujah. This is what happens when we get the Holy Ghost. And when Jesus got the Holy Ghost, when Jesus came on the earth, he became the house of God. With the house of God, as we, as, as we read in scriptures, the house of God is this place where God speaks, where the angels ascend and descend, where there's the voice, there's miracles, there's presence, there's encounter, and that's who Jesus was on the earth. He was the house of God embodied on the earth. Wherever people met Jesus, there they met God, because he was the house. There was communion there, there was offering there, there was miracles, there was the voice, and just like Moses ushered in the conquest mission of Joshua, Moses didn't come into the promised land. He made a way so that the people could come into the promised land through Joshua. Jesus, just likewise, he brought the kingdom, but he didn't lead us into the kingdom. He left us here with the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost, Jesus ushered in the conquest mission of the church. As the church comes into this new epoch of, of, of the Spirit, And this is what he said in Mark chapter 16. He said, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons and they'll speak in new tongues. They'll pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it shall not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on the sick people and they will get well. Can you say amen? This is the promise of those filled with the Spirit of God. This is, this is where we have this house of God, as we saw in the Old Testament. And we see this, this anointed minister, this charismatic preacher in the Old Testament. And they came together in Jesus. And as Jesus ascended into heaven, just like when Elijah ascended and he left his mantle, Jesus ascended into heaven and he dropped the Holy Ghost down upon us. And now we multiply the works of God as both the house of God and as the anointed minister of God. And where we go, where we ever go into darkness, light has all of a sudden shown up on the scene. Anytime we go somewhere, the voice of God is now present. Wherever we go and there's hopelessness, there is now hope come into the atmosphere. Can you say amen? This is the call of God in your life. Just thank Jesus for a moment. Just thank him that he's called you to this amazing call. No, no, come on. Thank him for a second. 
Come on, thank him. Thank him. We thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> this is what happened at Pentecost. This is what Jesus did at Pentecost. So I can have the worship team calling up. This is what happened <clears throat> on Pentecost. They get together. <clears throat> they get together and they're, they're praying. They're praying and they're worshiping God. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, in their, in their, in their despair, in their confusion, in the, in the darkness where there was formless and void, all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost of God falls on the people in the room. And all of a sudden, the church was born. And these people were drawn into this intimate relationship. God, God, God anointed them to, to, to change the world. God anointed them to speak with new tongues. God anointed them to do miracles. God anointed them to hear the Spirit's direction. And His plan has never changed. Hear me. His plan has never changed. <clears throat> Stand with me if you would. <clears throat> I feel like I have prayed, get the Holy Ghost. Get the Holy Ghost. God is drawing us corporately and individually into an intimate relationship with the Holy Ghost. And we're transformed in such a way that we share His loving nature with the world. ministering to someone recently. And it was funny because they had an issue that I, that, I, that I had been contemplating myself. But I knew the Lord had set up the meeting. But I didn't know what the issue was. And as they were talking to me, and it, it wasn't a sin issue. They're asking me, they laid out this thing, and they're like, well, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do next. I said, well, you need to do that thing. You just need to do it. And they said, but I, I don't, I haven't experienced that. I said, that don't change what the Bible says. Because it's in the giving you receive. I need you to hear this. <clears throat> it's in the giving that you receive. It's in the sowing that you get the harvest. If you buy a field and you wait till you get a harvest before you plant some seed, you're going to have some problems. It's in the sowing that you receive. So I said, you just need to start doing this thing and God will bring a harvest. And the Lord spoke to me in the situation I had been praying about. He's like, you just need to go ahead. I was like, all right. And so this person said to me, why would God have me do it if I don't have it yet? Hear me. Hear me on this. I said, because if you already had it, it wouldn't take faith. Now what the enemy does is he comes into the church and he wants you to focus on getting yours before you do something for someone else. And that's clever, but it's the opposite of what Jesus said to do. I'm saying this for a reason. <clears throat> there's faith in the room right now. And some of you are about to get bold to do and say some things that you didn't think you could do last week. You don't came into this room for a reason because there's an anointing here right now to anoint you to do something that you didn't think you could do. <clears throat> and the prophetic people in the room heard Stanley singing earlier. There's a prophetic song he sang that said, what I have given the enemy cannot steal. 
And so I'm here to remind you the call of God on your life is still there. The encounters with God are, come on, is this this resonating with anybody right now? I hope I'm provoking you a little bit. I hope I'm provoking you to step out in faith and do things that you thought maybe had passed you by, that you thought maybe that you were disqualified for. I feel like like hurt and offense has landed on some calls, and now it's hard for you to see the call and the hope that you once had because of the hurt and offense that is sitting there. And if you can rightly defy the word of truth, and you can see the call from the offense that you can actually speak life over the call and rebuke the offense in those who brought it and come into what God originally had for you in that time and season. You will all of a sudden not see the rusting hulk in the backyard, but you'll see what it looks like when you put that thing for sale as a completely restored creation. Can you say amen? Come on, I'm I'm plowing right now. I'm trying to plow the ground of a hardened heart that says God can't do it for me. It's too late now. I've been hurt too much. I've moved on from that. Maybe God has something else for me in this season. I'm plowing in your heart right now. And I'm sowing seeds of faith right now that says God is not done with you. The Lord is not done with you. The Holy Ghost still has something for you. I feel like I'm plowing right now. I feel like I'm plowing, but I'm willing to plow a little bit more because you're valuable to Jesus. He died on a cross for your sins and he ascended into heaven and sent the Holy Ghost to redeem your value. And I would be remiss right now if I didn't call you to try to hope a little bit more for what God called you to. Maybe you had a ministry and life came and choked it out and I'm saying put your hand to the plow again maybe you won the lost for a season and then maybe something else gotten more important i would say fall in love with the lost again maybe you used to lay hands on the sick and see them recover and i'm here to let you know there are still some sick people with an issue of blood who are waiting for jesus to pass by so they can be restored to health Come on, somebody. Maybe you used to disciple people. Maybe you used to speak words of hope. Maybe you used to teach the Bible. Maybe you used to lead a ministry team. I don't know what it was, but I feel like God is calling some people to put their hand to the plow and bring your offering to the house of God and be faithful to Jesus and watch Him restore that thing which has gone hollow. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Receive it in your heart right now. Touch your neighbor. Tell him, receive it in your heart right now. Come on. Touch your neighbor. Receive it in your heart right now. Come on. Shabbat. Hear me. Hear me. Hear me. When you share this, when you share this hope that you have in Jesus, when you share this hope that you have in Jesus, both the person ministering and the person receiving experience the Holy Ghost. I'm going to say it again. When you share this hope you have in Jesus, both the person speaking and the person listening experience the presence of the Holy Ghost and both get activated in God. We need to be aware of the presence of God in our lives. We need to be aware of the Holy Ghost when we're walking through the day. We need to be aware of the Holy Ghost as we meet people in our lives. We need to sit with people who are talking to us and say, this person in front of me right now was created in the image of God, even if they don't know it. They may not recognize it yet. They may have perverted it, but they were created in the image of God, and I need to receive that which is on the inside of them. Hear me. We need the fellowship and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. You say amen. Put it up. We need the fellowship and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. One more time. We need the fellowship and the anointing of the Holy Ghost of God. Come on, just thank God. Tell Him, I want your anointing, Lord. Come on, tell Him right now. Come on, tell Him, I want your anointing, Jesus. I want your anointing, Jesus. Rain on me, Lord. 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 You rain on me, Lord. The apostle asked them, did you receive the Holy Ghost when you believe? They said, I didn't even know there was a Holy Ghost. Come on. Have you received the Holy Ghost when you believe? Receive the Holy Ghost right now. Come on. Receive the Holy Ghost right now. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. 
Let him move on you right now. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Let him move on you right now. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Let him move on you right now. Come on, let him move on you right now. Freedom in the room right now. Real quick, repent of your offense. Repent of your judgment. Repent of your offense. Repent of your judgment. Repent of your sin right now. Come on, come on. In this glory, just be in the repent. Be in the repent. Forgive me, Jesus. Wash me clean in your blood. Forgive me, Jesus. Wash me clean in your blood. Come on. Come on, say it. Wash me clean in your blood. Come on, come on, come on, come on. We declare the blood of Jesus over our sin, over our offense, over our judgment, over our bitterness. Forgive us, Jesus. Forgive us, Lord. Your glory. Your glory. Your glory. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Get clean. Get clean. Get clean. Come on. I forgive. I forgive. I forgive. Come on. We as a church, we forgive. Individually, we forgive. now we receive your promise the infilling of the Holy Spirit ah, ah, right now receive the Holy Ghost of God receive the Spirit wow receive the Spirit right now filling bubbling come on bubbling 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 right out of your belly rivers of living water rivers of living water rivers of living water rivers of living water out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water Rivers, rivers, healing over hearts. It's easy for you to forgive now. It's easy for you to love. Free indeed. This is my confidence. You've never. 
you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance on you and give you peace. You say amen. Give a clap offering to the Lord if you would. Hallelujah. Listen, this week I want you to share your faith with someone. Pick up an invitation card in the lobby and invite someone to the house of God that you can watch their life be changed in the presence of God. Thank you. God bless you. I will see you Wednesday night. Amen. Give a hug to two or three people before you go. Tell them you love them. Bless them in the name of Jesus. Give it up for your worship team if you would. Come on. Leading us so well. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great week.